Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. Today we're in the Gospel of John, which is my favorite gospel. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one of them to have a little bite. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When the evening came, His disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because of the strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But Jesus said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him then they wanted to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going the next day the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw there had been only one of the boat excuse me saw that there had been only one boat there they also saw that Jesus had not gone into the boat with the disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone Then some of the boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread, and after the Lord had given thanks. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing and glorifying to you. Amen. All right, so uh, this morning, uh, full disclosure, if you are following the Christian calendar, uh, we have gone rogue. This is technically not the reign of Christ Sunday, but we are making it the reign of Christ Sunday. And we're going to have five Sundays of Advent instead of four. (laughs) Because Christmas Eve is on a Sunday. Uh... And so we just wanted five Sundays of Advent. (laughs) So 
This is where we find ourselves. Now, our passage this morning, uh, as, we, as we hear from John, to show us who our king is. And, and I think that these are beautiful, beautiful words. And, and uh, can I too really, really appreciate the gospel of John? Uh, that I, I think that it is. If I'm going to make a favorite, which I know you always, uh, maybe you shouldn't make a favorite. I don't know. But if I was going to make a favorite, it would be the Gospel of John as well. What's that? No. So, the reason why I appreciate the Gospel of John so much is you, I think, have, have figured out by now how much I like words. Uh, and John does this beautiful thing with the language and the words that he used to describe. These stories that we hear this morning of the feeding of the 5,000, one of the probably best well-known miracles of the entire New Testament. It is the only miracle that shows up in all four Gospels, and yet John, in his own fashion, decides to make certain things different than the other three. Jesus walking on water shows up in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. Each time it shows up, it shows up following the miracle of feeding of the 5,000. However, again, John makes these nuanced differences that if we're not paying close enough attention, we can easily skip over because we already know this story. But John wants us to understand something deeper than just what is on the uh, upper surface. So this morning, we're going to look at, at John's gift to us uh, of these two stories of miracles, hopefully deepening our own understanding and experiencing these miracles through his eyes. Now, in the verses that we heard this morning, uh, we can notice that the last verses help connect the feeding miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and the walking on water together. So we are meant, John is trying to get us to look at both of these miracles as one, uh, one overarching theme or idea. All right. Uh, so before we jump in, though, I, I want us to, to understand sort of the lens at which John is, is writing uh, chapter 6, uh, which is what we looked at this morning from the Gospel of John. We did not read the first couple of verses, uh, the first couple of verses of chapter 6. And so I want us just to understand in, in verse 4, John does something really important. And he makes note that the Passover is near. We don't want to miss that detail. This chapter of John, chapter 6, has the Passover theme scattered throughout the entire chapter. Which, the Passover, we remember as the moment in which God 
freed the Israelite slaves from Egypt, right? Sent them out of Egypt into the wilderness to wander for how many years? Anyone remember? 40 years. Ouch. Wandering for 40 years. Now, while they were wandering around through the wilderness for 40 years, we could probably say uh, wilderness is more like a desert, okay? Uh, so as they're wandering around in the desert for 40 years, they, the Israelites come to a place where they get upset. Uh, I mean, they are human after all. We all get to that place at some point in time where we get a little upset. They start grumbling and complaining. And if you read in Exodus chapter 16 that talks about this experience, they talk to Moses and say, I'm paraphrasing, caveat. (laughs) Did you really just bring us out here in the middle of the desert to die? This is where we find the Israelites. Does anybody remember what the response is from God to that question? They get something. Well, yeah, manna, something. What is it? That's what manna means, right? What is this? Uh, so they get, they get this miracle of something that is described as a wafer with honey. Uh, And I got to say, the first time I heard a wafer, I thought of the communion wafers. I remember taking the communion wafers when I was a kid uh, and thinking that the bread tasted more like styrofoam than than it did bread. And I didn't understand that. So I can't really quite connect. Maybe if we poured some honey on top of those wafers, it might taste a little bit closer to manna. I don't know. They didn't know what it was. Manna, what is it? So what are we going to know? Anyway, it gets described as a wafer with honey. And this, this manna is there every morning for you to go out and collect and to eat until you are satisfied. And then the quails come out at night to be able to feed you at night. They collected it every morning and they were, they were called to eat all of it and not have any leftovers except for on the sixth day when they're supposed to collect enough for both days because on the seventh day you were supposed to rest. What John is trying to get us to do in this moment is to recognize the connection between Moses and God feeding the Israelites in the desert in their 40 years of wandering and what Jesus is doing in this moment. This miracle that John is pointing to in his version of the feeding of the 5,000. So let's take a look at what John is trying to get us to realize today Uh, as we understand the feeding and the walking on water uh, and where where Jesus might be uh, calling us. 
All right, so after the introduction of the chapter, uh, we hear Jesus asking Philip a question. Where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? Now, I could imagine Philip being like a deer caught in headlights. We don't have enough money to buy bread to feed all these people. And then Andrew chimes in. There is a boy that has five loaves and two fish, but that will hardly feed anyone. In these responses, we hear a few things. This crowd that is coming to listen to Jesus, uh, to listen to Jesus teach, must be massive. It must be larger than what I think we can uh, truly wrap our heads around. We think of 5,000, it's like, oh, 5,000. 5, Matthew reminds us 5,000 and then including women and children. So uh, it, to put that into perspective, roughly, if we would look at a group to feed that is larger than the city of Buffalo, the city of Ranchester, and the city of Dayton all combined. <laughs> Anyone want to feed that Thanksgiving meal? No, Raleigh says. That was fast, Raleigh. <laughs> no. Could you imagine that many people or more being in one space at one time and you are going to try and feed them? The disciples, in their response here, in their an answer uh, to, the, to the question, show that conven conventional expectations cannot offer a solution to feed this crowd. There isn't enough. Jesus alone is the one who knows how the needs will be met. Now remember, I told you, as we look at John, John uses words, and, and it's important for us to pause and look at those words. He says, Jesus tells them, make the people sit down. Okay, well, they're in a grassy field, we hear. There's plenty of space to sit down. So, you know, you can just sort of see the disciples all walking around yelling, sit down, sit down, sit down. The Greek here for this, this phrase, sit down, gives us sort of a different understanding of just your typical, okay, uh, sit down. The Greek understanding is to recline on a couch to eat. Recline on a couch to eat. In other places in the Gospels, this is translated to take your place at the table. So what is Jesus inviting the disciples to do is to go around and invite all of these people to the place, to their place at his table. To me, that's beautiful language that we need to sit with of Jesus inviting everybody on that, in that field that day to a place at his table. 
which brings us again to one of the slight differences that John has in his story that is not in the other three. Did you notice who hands out the food? Jesus. Not the disciples, but Jesus. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Jesus is the one who hands out the food. Does that not show a connection to the manna in the wilderness, the food that comes from God? The bread and the fish are served by Jesus. The people eat their fill, we hear, and then the disciples collect the leftovers so that nothing may be lost. Again, manna was supposed to be collected for the day except for the sixth day when they collected double. There were not supposed to be leftovers, but eat whatever was collected. Here is another connection between the Moses and the manna story. They didn't just waste the food. They collected it so that it can be eaten later. Now, Jesus leaves because the people that see this have expectations about what their king is going to look like. Jesus doesn't meet those expectations. Jesus will not meet those expectations. And if we're really being honest, I don't think that Jesus typically meets our own expectations sometimes as well. And so Jesus leaves before the, this crowd of people really get, try and get him to do something that he's not going to do. So the disciples then leave under their own direction as well to go ahead of Jesus. In John's version of Jesus walking on the water, it is short, sweet, and to the point. John doesn't go on this long conversation between Jesus and Peter. Uh, he, he just gets right to the, the heart of the matter, let's say. So the disciples start across the sea when a strong wind comes. Jesus walks on the water, on the sea, and says to the scared disciples, now we heard something different this morning. It is I. An argument can be made that what John is doing here is not it is I, but I am. Again, the I am statement there, drawing a connection to Moses at the burning bush. Who is it that sent me? I am who I am. Who is it that's sending me? Sorry. I am who I am. And so uh, Jesus making this connection, I am. Don't be afraid. Drawing this connection to God. Now, what's, what's super confusing to me when you hear this story is, does Jesus actually get in the boat It, 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 because it sort of does this weird, they were going to ask him to get in the boat and then all of a sudden they realized that they made it to the other side. So did he get into the boat in John's version? There's something weird going on here because immediately they reach their destination. I believe that what John is trying to get us to, to notice here is that this miracle isn't so much about the calming of the storm because he doesn't do that in John, does he? He doesn't calm the water. He doesn't get into the boat. 
He doesn't call Peter out to him. It is simply a something miraculous happens and they get to the other side and they're unharmed. We, get, we, we see this miracle as a visual manifestation of the presence of God. It recalls the understanding of safe passage that God provides those in distress. Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you find yourself in a different space and you don't remember how you got there? Maybe it was God's presence that helped get you to that place. So then the final verse that we heard this morning that links everything together. The place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. That concludes the, this section of miracles and verses before John then goes into a different, uh, different theme, a different point. And so that's what we're left to sit with. And it's an awkward ending, isn't it? Uh, because it almost seems like Wait, shouldn't there be more? But that's what we're left with. And I think it's important for us to sit in that space. When we sit in this space of the, the two miracles, looking to the care that Jesus gave to the masses and the care that Jesus gave to the disciples. The spiritual needs were being met. He's teaching them. Their physical needs are met. He's feeding them. The psychological needs are met by being present in the, in the joy, but then also in the distress. John demonstrates, shows us in this moment that Jesus is the source of life. All of that, Jesus is the source of life. In this moment, we understand the kind of king that Jesus is. In this moment, we understand that uh, we see the fulfilling of the mission that God has given to Jesus, which is to make God known. And in these few verses... John helps us to understand that Jesus cares calling all to his table wanting to serve those who come to his table whoever it is who doesn't ignore us or forget us when we are going through the storms of life, but comes to us to comfort us, to help us. Did you notice how in this last verse, uh, verse 20, 23, John doesn't make mention of miracles? Did you notice that? John doesn't draw attention to the miracles that took place in the walking on the sea or the feeding of the 5,000. He draws the attention to something else. Listen to it again. The place where they had eaten the bread 
after the Lord had given thanks. What is he drawing attention to? The gratitude of Jesus. The bread after the Lord had given thanks. Gratitude in this moment was expressed. Jesus expressed gratitude for the disciples. They didn't recognize the abundance because in their mind, the abundance wasn't there. There's too many people. We don't have enough money. We have five loaves and two fish, and that can't, that can't be enough. Gratitude for abundance that did not look like abundance. In fact, it didn't look like much of anything, yet God provided what was needed in that field that day. When we start to look at this idea of gratitude, gratitude can become a way of seeing and being in the world giving thanks to God for what is about to happen. Even when we are going through storms, we can be grateful for God's presence in our lives and for those that are around us to help us, uh, to support us as well. When we think of this word gratitude, gratitude can spill over into the rest of our lives as well. When we recognize the, the or being grateful for the relationships around us, those that care, those that stand with us, those that walk through moments in life with us, relationships and connections. And it's not easy, is it? I remember when we first thought of the idea of Third Friday, uh, and we weren't quite sure what it was actually going to look like. It was uh, six of us and a dream. And as Third Friday grew, with not with kids, with volunteers, there, there came a moment where we actually thought that we wouldn't be able to do it anymore because we just didn't have enough volunteers. And some Fridays where we struggled with getting enough volunteers, and some Fridays we tried to do it with four, and that was a terrible mistake. Terrible. <laughs> yes. And yet, I think of the excitement that just took place on Friday. And I am grateful for all of the people that have put their time and energy and effort into this ministry that now is blessing folks within our congregation and outside of our congregation. I think of lunch together when maybe we wouldn't have enough salads because we always have enough desserts. What do we do? I think of uh, the trunk or treat when I thought we weren't going to have enough candy. 
Turned out we did. But we sent out a message anyway and said, hey, we need help with candy. Do you know that our candy supply doubled in less than 12 hours from sending out that text? When we live life through this lens of gratitude, we are grateful for what we have. We're grateful for each other. And we are grateful for the presence of God that leads us each and every day. John, in this moment, is reminding us, reminding us today of the loving care of Christ who invites us to his table to be aware of God's presence and to live deliberately grateful each and every day. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have given to us. Help us. Help us to to use it to demonstrate your presence in the world around us. Help us to invite more to your table. Help us to live into who you are calling us to be. Help us to take care of those around us, to stand with those who need to be stood with and to walk through life with each other. For we are grateful for the relationships and connections you have placed in our lives. And we are grateful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.